I don't know if it fits everybody's definition for a trap game, but by my definition of a trap game, this is a classic trap game for the Arizona Cardinals this week. Classic. For a lot of reasons. Tons. It's a trap! (laughs) I think it starts with the overconfidence that you may have from being 2-0 and they're 0-2. That's part of it. And then who you're playing the next week. That's also part of it. That's the two biggest ones. Yep. Because you, you've to be a trap game, and not to pontificate on it too much here, it's it's not just 2-0 Arizona versus 0-2 Jacksonville. And it's not just how good the Cardinals have looked and how bad Jacksonville's looked. It is exactly what you said. It's the overconfidence of how you got to 2-0 and the fact that you're one of seven teams to arrive to that spot. And it's the fact that you're at the L.A. Rams the next week. And so... Here comes here comes this overconfidence. We're two and zero. Oh man, that team we're playing is crap. They're not any good. We we can just show up and beat them. And let's just let's start peeking just a little bit. Let's let's take a peek at the L.A. Rams. Let's let's keep an eye on the L.A. Rams a little bit and start looking at that game because mm-hmm. that's going to be a big game. We've never beaten them ever. Classic trap game. Do you know weekend. why I think it's not going to happen this year more so in preview than previous years? Uh, no, I can't wait to hear this. J.J. Watt, Rodney Hudson. A.J. Green, the players they added are leaders. The players they added have been captains. The players they added are veterans. I I think that you've got to rely on those guys to not, if you're having a bad day of practice, somebody's got to kick somebody in the ass. Mm-hmm. I think you got the guys that will do it. I think you have the guys that understand that every week in the NFL you could be beat. Like, the Jaguars are probably going to win a game this year. Somebody, you don't want to be the team that loses to the Jacksonville Jaguars. But I think the leadership that they have this year, I kind of, I'm counting on that to not allow it to happen. That's a good point. Cliff has often referred to the veteran leadership as the reason why, you know, they can do the things that they do because he basically has a bunch of coaches that are spread out throughout the locker room disguised as players. Kyler Murray, when he met with the media today, he said all the right things about this not being a trap game. Oh, a trap game. Oh, no. I don't I don't believe in uh, in those. You know, if we, if we don't come to play, we don't come to play. But uh, as far as trap game goes, man, we went, you know, we were 2-0 last year and we, you know, kind of bad the next two last year. So uh, I don't, I don't. I don't see trap games or, you know, that happening. You know, we're focused on this one. Um, You know, we're going to give our all to this one. Yeah, and whether last year, and we've heard a lot of talk about last year. Christian Kirk was talking about last year yesterday. Guys were talking about last year on Monday. Last year, the Cardinals started 2-0. Same thing. They lost to Detroit at home, right? That game was at home. Yep, it was at home. They lost to Detroit at home after a 2-0 start. When you've got that as ammunition to use against the players. Now, I know that's not going to have any effect on the J.J. Watts or the Hudsons or the A.J. Greens. They weren't here for that. But for the guys who were, you can use that ammo on them. Hey, y'all thought you're hot. You know what? You were 2-0 last year. You lost to the Lions, and they suck. So remember last year when you prepare for this year's Game 3. Very easy sure. to say that. Yeah, I, I think so. And I Listen, there is there is something also to be said about having to travel east. Trying to play the earlier game. Now they did it against the Titans and they won. But man, there was a period. Remember when remember there was a stretch there when the Cardinals were actually pretty good and they couldn't win those East Coast games. Oh yeah. And we debated 
Should they leave on Thursday? Should they leave on Friday? Should they leave on? Should they, should they show up on should, the day of the game? Should they stay on the East Coast they like stay? they did one year? There yeah. was a time when they were good, and it was like, man, AK, it was under was it under Wizenon? I think it was under Wizenon. You just couldn't figure out how they couldn't win those games. Yeah. So I think they're, they're clearly better at it now. That Tennessee wins a good one, but it's still you got to go play early. You got to go across time zones. You got to go play on the East. It's and, and you know you you don't want to you don't want to overlook the opponent, and it's hard because they're just not very good. Yeah, Jordan just reminded me the Greenbrier. That was the name of the place they the stayed. Greenbrier. Every yeah. year they stay when they went Somebody back. Somebody stayed there this past week. The Forty Niners. Yes, the Forty Niners stayed. And they won. Yeah, they won there. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury was asked about a trap game. I, I don't. Um, you know the way we played last week definitely got our players' attentions. We, we didn't play like we. No, we can. Um, and so watching that tape yesterday, I believe our players understand what we need to do to get better. And um, I expect us to, to try and improve this week. And that's another weapon that Cliff has been using to avoid against the trap game. Number one has been pointing out they started 2-0 and a year ago and lost to Detroit. And number two, and he said it again in this soundbite, is constantly reminding the players how poorly they played against the Minnesota Vikings. You know, the things you did wrong in that game, don't you get high on yourself. Don't you start? Don't you? Don't you? Yeah. Hurt, don't hurt yourself patting yourself on the shoulder for beating so the Minnesota bad. Vikings. You're not so great. Yeah. You should have lost that game. They kicked the third. They missed a 37 yard field goal. Otherwise, you would have lost. Yeah, not not much. I mean, we have so many new players, and um, I think, like I said, more than anything, just the way we played last week, it wasn't up to our standard. I mean, we we lost a turnover battle by two, and then gave up 175 yards rushing. Um, that's not a recipe to win many games in this league. And luckily, we we made some plays. Um, to offset that, but we got to play a lot better, and the film um, wasn't wasn't great, and we know that. And so, I think our focus is just on improving, um, you know, as a team. That's coaching one on one, right there. To avoid against a trap game, come in with a prepared list of everything we did wrong last week. What did we do wrong? We we had a we had a punt blocked, and we had two interceptions, and they led to ten points. And we did this wrong, and we did that wrong. God, we sucked. God, we we were terrible. That that is so happy on Sunday when we won. Up of a player, right? You're so happy we won, and you come on Monday, you're like, God, we were really bad. Right. That's Cliff Kingsbury trap game insurance 101 right it's, there. It's definitely on the coaches to make sure they don't overlook this game. But it's also on the leaders. You're of right. The team. No, but you're no your 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 first point was more right than your second point. It's a, this is this is why JJ Watts here. Mm-hmm. This is why Rodney Hudson's here. This is why AJ Green's here. Right? These are the guys to who not let that happen. Mm-hmm. To make sure everybody understands, you can't. You, this is yeah. The, the leaders. It's yep. on the leaders to make sure that doesn't happen. Yep. To be on the younger guys, the less experienced guys. A There's little a reason bit more. you name guys captain. Yep. And this is part of what they're getting paid for. Yep. And if you have to be a little bit of a jerk about it this week, then be a jerk about it. You might have to. You know. Just to keep guys from getting high. And a lot of times, coaches can tell if a team's going to be off based on how they practice. So I mean, it's a. Good question for Cliff as the week goes on. How have practice has been this week? If they if they're good and they're crisp and guys are working hard, I think they'll be all right. Yeah. But if you know, a lot of times you if when you lose a letdown game, coaches will say, "I could just sense it in practice, man. I could sense it in practice that things weren't going right." You're right. Week three of the NFL it kicks off this Thursday tomorrow night. But there's still time for you to sign up for Bix Picks. Text the word PICK to six twenty six twenty. Sign up. Compete against Dan Bickley. For your chance at the grand prize of a tailgate package featuring a Yeti Tundra cooler and a grill courtesy of Modelo Especial. Weekly winners will also get a $100 gift card to cold beers and cheeseburgers. Text the word PICK to 62620. 
to enter. Along with the rest of the Cardinals' defensive line, J.J. Watt uh, had a very quiet game last week against the Vikings. Based off of his history against Jacksonville, number 99 could have that breakout performance we're all waiting for. That's next. Burns and Gambo. Live from the Auction Community Studios, we are Burns and Gambo. As always, thanks for hanging out with us on this Wednesday afternoon. Steve Kimes is going to join us on Friday for his weekly visit at 3 o'clock, as he does every single week. Find out if this Cardinal team can go 3-0. and um, we, we just got done talking about J.J. Watt and his value as a leader in the locker room in moments like this. A team stepping into a classic trap game situation like the Cardinals are and whether players in that locker room believe in trap games or not. I, I think we've been around a block a time or two, and we know it's a very real thing. It, it, it can happen. It has happened, and it could very well happen to the Cardinals this week, and guys like J.J. Watt have to guard against it. But there's, in terms of his impact on the field, we haven't really seen it yet from J.J. so far this season. It's been a very quiet start to his Cardinals career. The numbers would suggest this could be the weekend where that all changes for him. Yeah, I mean... Was was it seventeen sacks in sixteen games against Jacksonville? That is correct. Uh, he, you know he doesn't have that first one yet. First game, second game, he's going to want to get that out of the way. There's no doubt about it. Uh, last year he recorded his one hundredth career sack against Jacksonville, so he did get that milestone sack against the Jags. He's had success against them, like you said. I just think for JJ, it's you just want to get off the hide. You want to get that sack. You know, you watch Chandler get five in Week One. You didn't get any in week two, and now you're feasting. You're feasting on a rookie quarterback right. who's made a lot of mistakes, and you, you know you're looking at this pass rush, and you're you know you're you're licking your chops trying to get to Trevor Lawrence. Hasn't been sacked a whole lot in those two games, but this is a game that if you're you're JJ Watt and you're that Cardinals pass rush, you're trying to tee off on him. Yeah, the numbers are good. Uh, these came from the beat writer who covers the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. JJ Watt is. Gambo mentioned 17 career sacks in 16 career games against the Jags. He has had at least one sack in 10 of the 16 games, three sacks in three of the 16 games. So three of the games have counted for nine of his total sacks in his career against the, um, the Jags. The only team Watt has more sacks against is the Tennessee Titans. Now, I don't want to make it sound like J.J. Watt has been a complete ghost so far this season. I actually thought he had a pretty impactful game in week one, even though he didn't show up on the stat sheet a whole lot. He was disrupting Derrick Henry yeah, early. He his presence fell. I he thought got so. in the backfield a few times. Yeah, yeah, I thought so too. Now listen, you you know, you, you these guys get you get paid for sacks. I know. You know, and you, you want that. But I've always said, you know, can you get the quarterback? Like Chandler Jones had five sacks in week one, but no sacks in week two. Mm-hmm. But he had a bunch of quarterback hits. Right, he had like five quarterback hits. So you want to get those pressures. You want to get those hits. You want to do those. That disrupts the quarterback. You want to get him out of his rhythm. So pressures are important too. But you want, you know, for JJ Watt too, it's also about tackles for loss, stopping the run. There's so many things that he's counted on. You don't want to just look at sacks. But I think, you know, because he's a guy that has had big, he's got over 100 in his career, because of that, you are waiting to see him get to that quarterback. You're waiting to see that moment where he can get that sack. Not that you're paying him just for that, because there's so much that goes into it, more than just the sacks. Um, there are certain guys in this league that have only been good at sacking the quarterback. Like, I'll give you an example. When the Jets had the New York sack exchange, Mark Astineau, mm-hmm. he could do nothing else besides <laughs> sack the quarterback. He was terrible at stopping the run. Like, he was just... He was a heck of a dancer, though. 
Was he a good dancer? Well, he's he a terrible boxer. He, his his Mark Astido did he? Mark was, Astido was yeah. he on that show? Oh, he well, no, he wasn't on that show. But he the sack a, dance. A, after a, the sack oh, the dance. Sack oh, dance. oh yeah, yeah, he did that. At, that's what I meant by being a good dancer. He was he was always doing that dance after the sack. Yeah, he was he was great at that. Um, but he was a guy that just got sacks. He wasn't good at the other. But you would run at him because you could run at him. JJ's good at all that other stuff. He's a good all around player. Yeah. But you do kind of feel like okay. Let's. You don't want it. You don't want to have this drag out to where he doesn't have a sack for a, a number of games. It's such a fine line because it, it was it Marcus Golden when he met with the media yesterday. Yeah, he it, talked about it, it, and he talked about, hey man, it's not all. It's just about sacks. It's about pressure. It's about making the guy hurry. It's about getting them off rhythm, off schedule, doing things they don't want to do. Uh, but but again, to the point of JJ Watt, even that stuff, I don't think he was doing against Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, the, really. And you said it on Monday, and you're absolutely right. Nobody really stood out defensively for the Cardinals. Nobody. And J.J. Watt, the only time I remember ever even seeing him on the field was when he went over to try to check on Dalvin Cook when he was on the ground. Yeah. And the Vikings were like, dude, get out of here. We're, we're, we got this. We're fine. We don't need you. We don't need you standing yeah, next to Dalvin Cook. Yeah, what's the standout defensive play of that game? Corey Peters made a nice tackle. Like. Uh, Hamilton knocked down a pass. Jordan Hicks broke up a pass. Broke up a pass coverage on third third down down, late in the game. But there wasn't like there wasn't anybody that stood out defensively. What stood out to me was that as a as a unit, they did not allow they allowed three points in the second half. So as a unit, they allowed three points. What didn't stick out to me was when they really needed the final drive when the Titans, I mean when the Vikings moved all the way down into easy field goal range, man, they didn't get any stops. Nope. It was two big plays and then Two plays to the uh, – there was a big play to Cook. There was a play to Thielen on third and 10 that they got a first down on. Like, they couldn't come up with a stop. So, if you're looking for great individual defensive performances, you got it in week one, you didn't get it in week two. Trevor Lawrence, the rookie quarterback, the first pick overall out of Clemson, uh, met the media today in Jacksonville and was asked if he expects Arizona to come after him the same way Denver did. Sometimes, obviously, their teams carry things over from one week to the next just – if they see someone had success with it, but there's a lot of most coordinators have their philosophy and they kind of stick with it. Um, I do think a lot of the things, some of the things carry over from the Broncos to the Cardinals. Um, the base structure, you know, three four with those stand up edge guys, similar defense, but they do a lot of different stuff in the back end. I'd say they mix it up more, but most defensive coordinators kind of have their their thumbprint, if you will, and that's that's what they do. They've done it for a long time, so uh, who knows? They might, but. Um, I'm assuming they're going to kind of stick with what they've done. I'll say this. Past. I'll say this about Trevor Lawrence. I know he's gotten off to a really rough start after two games. He is going to turn it around at some point. He's just too good not to. I, I, I hope it doesn't happen this week. I don't think it's going to happen this week because they're really pushing that rock uphill right now in Jacksonville. They've just got a lot going wrong. Their rookies aren't contributing. Their tight end just got put on IL. Yeah, sure to see. They're, they're not running the ball very much. They're getting behind really early in these games, which is just forcing Lawrence to throw, throw, throw. At some point, he is going to have a game where you go, oh, yeah, that's the Trevor Lawrence I remember from Clemson. It's coming. It's going to happen. I kept thinking Rosen was going to do that, and it never did. <laughs> but Trevor Lawrence is a whole different, you know. You what? You kept waiting for Josh Rosen 13 games to have a good game. It just didn't happen. Um, and now you're sitting there. You, you know, Look, Trevor Lawrence will – I'm sure Trevor Lawrence will have some good games. Uh, but this overall is – I mean, him and Zach Wilson are off to really rough starts. Really rough start. I mean, it, it's just hard. It's hard for a rookie quarterback to come in and – 
you know, you know, have all the success, especially when you go to a bad team. Zach Wilson went to a bad team. Trevor Lawrence went to a bad team. Mac Jones, he went to a decent team yep. with a good coach and a system that could make you excel early. So he's it, the only one. He is the only one. We're going to see Fields this week. That is, yeah, he's getting the start because Andy Dalton's out. Get the start, but even mop, not mopping up. But when Dalton got hurt, Fields didn't look so hot this no. last week. Not at all. Trey Lance didn't even play in the 49ers win against the Eagles. Didn't even get on the field for one play, which surprised a lot of people. The rookie quarterbacks outside of Mac Jones have really struggled so far to start this season. I mean, usually there's one, and I guess that guy is Mac Jones that kind of stands out and go, okay. Okay, but if he was on Jacksonville, he would be getting his ass handed to him too. No doubt. And if Trevor Lawrence went to New England, he'd be having more success. zero debate. It is so much of this is a product of your environment and what's around you. Who's coaching you? What talent? How good is your defense? How good is your run game? All of those things, it, it, it plays such a part in whether rookie quarterbacks yeah. succeed or fail. What did you say? Trevor Lawrence is throwing the ball 75% of the time right now? 75% yeah, okay. of the time. Okay, come on. Yeah. Like, you ain't going to win doing you're, that. You're behind in football games, and you've got to throw, and teams will tee you off on you eventually. Yep. Texas, your thoughts on this Cardinals-Jags matchup? The fan duel text line, it's open for you. We read the best ones on the air. Text us at 620-620 right now. We've been talking today about whether the Cardinals are facing a trap game against the Jags. I suppose you could say the same thing about ASU. We'll talk about it next here on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. Now, the only difference in the trap game equation between the Cardinals and the Sun Devils is that ASU lost to BYU and has more to clean up than anybody than, in the country. Than a house that has been filled with nothing but teenagers for a week and a half, right? And mom and dad are coming home tonight. Raro. Right. Mom and dad are coming home, and we've had the house to ourselves for a week. We kind of have to clean this crap up quick before the flight lands, right? That's ASU football right now. They've got plenty to work on, plenty to clean up after that sloppy yellow flag-filled fest we saw Saturday night in Provo. But other than that, this would be a trap game for ASU, too, because Colorado's coming in here. They looked awful. They had 63 yards offense. They got shut out at home. And guess who's coming up next week for ASU? UCLA. UCLA. Yeah, UCLA. Yep. I don't think if you're ASU the way you've played in these three games, coming off of a loss, I don't. I, you got to focus on you. You got to focus on one thing and one thing only. You lead the nation in penalties. You lead the nation in penalties. Like that has to change. And that, you're not going to win many football games and have success. You know when when you're in there, they're the most penalized team in the country. They got 12 per game, an average of 106.3 yards. They they are losing. You know because of this now. Colorado's terrible. I mean, their their offense is abysmal. I mean, so you know, you look at it, and you you just look at them. They managed seven net yards in the, in the last game at the half. They they they're not gaining yards on the ground. They were shut out at home for the first time since 2012. Minus 19 rushing yards, which was the third worst offense. ever by a Colorado team. You would think that's the worst ever, but it's the third worst ever, the minus 19, 63 total. You got a freshman quarterback that got sacked four times, lost a fumble. He's deer in the headlights right now. The yeah. offensive line struggled. The running backs had nowhere to run. I mean, it's a, you know, it's a terrible football team in Colorado. That's why, you know, you you would think that, you know, this is this should be an easy game. 
for the Sun Devils. They should be able to get right. This should be a get-right game. Go spank Colorado. Feel good about yourself. Feel good about yourself, and then try to get some momentum going into the UCLA game. And if you win the UCLA game, then we could talk about a Pac-12 South title. Now, if you lose to UCLA, all, all bets are off, and then we're going to talk about the future of the program and where it's going to go, because this year was set up to be successful. Lose to Colorado, we'll start that talk now. But you gotta, you're going to have to win some games here. You lose to UCLA, then... You know, then we'll talk about, or you beat UCLA, we can start talking about a Pac-12 South Championship. Yeah. Uh, we, we've already decided our poll question for tomorrow, given that there are such easy games on the schedule this week for both ASU and the Cardinals, which team is more likely to lose against their easy opponent, whether it's ASU versus Colorado or the Cards versus Jacksonville. We'll talk about that tomorrow, but, but you're absolutely right. There's a lot of things. In some ways, this is like UNLV Southern Utah Part 2. Where you've you're got not going to learn anything. Yeah, you're not going to learn a thing about yourself. You should obliterate this team. The only way you learn anything about yourself is if you struggle at home to beat Colorado. If you don't obliterate the Buffaloes, then you're going to go, oh, my God, what do we exactly have here? What, what is this? You know, Not much. You lose to Colorado, it's time to talk, start talking about where this, you know, who's going to be running this program in the future. Yeah, I mean, because it, it, this, this, that could lead to a real, you lose to Colorado? We're not talking. We're not talking about Pac-12 South. We're talking about can this team even make a bowl game? We're talking about coaching changes. Coaching we're changes. We're talking about sure. massive changes yep. across the board. Along those lines, uh, the very good Doug Howler, the beat writer who covers ASU for the Athletic, we're big fans over here on the Burns and Gambo Show, wrote a story today on the Athletic website in which he updates the investigation by the NCAA into ASU. Um, they the NCAA has already, according to the report. The NCAA has already investigated the high school prospects who allegedly were here when they weren't supposed to be here. The coaches are next, and Doug reports that those interviews by the NCAA with the coaches at ASU could happen sometime in the next month, right in the middle of the Pac-12 schedule. That is obviously not ideal, as we pointed out earlier, and as Doug pointed out in the piece, it could cause issues within the Sun Devil coaching offices, one coach might be wondering what another coach is going to say. A coach who has done wrong, allegedly, might be wondering if a coach who hasn't is going to rat him out or not and what he's going to say. And the coach who hasn't done anything wrong might be internally debating whether he's going to rat out his colleague or not. These are all you know things that can distract you. I think the biggest line from Doug's story that stood out, he asked himself the question, does the investigation have anything to do with Arizona State's undisciplined start? And his answer was, to say that it doesn't would be naive. It would be naive to say that these I, distractions aren't yeah. causing this team to not be focused on the field. I was not of the belief that the investigation would affect what they're doing on the field. Now, there's no way to really know. There's no way to really know. Maybe have to see if you talk to the players. I just didn't think that an investigation is going on with that has nothing to do with the players um, is going to affect the the team. I, I didn't think maybe it does. Have you I changed mean, your mind? I mean, not really. Okay, not, not really. But you could. I mean, I might be able to be sold on it, or at least consider it. I, I mean, you're going out there and you got to play a football game. I mean, I, what happens to you know coaches and what happens to the future of the program down the road may not affect you. You know, you might be gone, or you. you I know. I wouldn't think that you're thinking about that. I would think you're thinking about the Pac-12 South title and trying to get to a Rose Bowl and. You know, trying to, to accomplish all these goals and kids that want to make it in the NFL. So I would just think, you know, we talked about how this defense is going to have a ton of guys drafted. They're going to have a lot of guys drafted. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that their goal is to play hard. I, 
I wouldn't have thought that. Maybe I'm wrong, but I wouldn't have thought that the investigation would have affected the way they played. Yeah, we talked about this a few weeks ago, and not knowing how it was all going to turn out with how they've played, I, and I, I didn't expect it to be like this. I mean, I, I didn't expect what were there nineteen flags thrown, sixteen accepted. I didn't expect it to be that bad, but I, I, I wondered out loud. Okay, if these allegations, if there's any kind of shred of truth to them. Now you've got coaches who, instead of worrying about coaching their kids, are worried about whether they're going to have a job in four months. Yeah. Coaches who are worried about, instead of making sure that this guy understands in this situation how to not commit a false start, instead of coaching him up on that, he's worried about whether there's a receipt somewhere that proves that he paid for something he shouldn't Ooh. have paid for. Yeah, okay. you know, and, and so your mind is just not... On your work. Did You're, I do something wrong? I don't think I did, but maybe I did. I don't remember that time. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure that goes through your mind. You know, and, and so there are some people who can block that out. There are some people who, and it doesn't matter, honestly, it doesn't matter what profession you're in. If you're going to work every day and you're worried about whether you're going to be at work a week from now or a month from now or two from now, sometimes it's very hard to work in those circumstances. It's hard to work where in the back of your mind you're thinking, am I going to get canned? Am I going to get you don't that's not exactly a recipe for giving it your all every the, single day. But, all right, so I guess that in, in a roundabout way that would affect the players. Yeah, it affects the players because if they're not getting coached up right because the coach has something on their mind. I can, I mean you could sell me on yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. I mean I'm not like, you know, you know 100% oh there's no way it could affect the players. I mean there are certain scenarios in which, you know, that like that's a great scenario right there. The players may not be affected, but they're reliant upon the coaches. Now, if a coach is concerned and he's not giving it his all because he's got issues and he's worried about his next job and how to feed his family and stuff like that, maybe, you know, maybe he's looking for other jobs and he's not giving, he's not spending that extra time yeah. looking at film and tape and trying to coach these guys up. One other quick nugget from this article, which I thought was something else to be pointed out here. How has this affected recruiting? Doug points out in the story, two four-star defensive backs have decommitted. Another remains committed, but just visited Penn State. As of right now, according to Doug, ASU is down to five public 2022 commitments. That's the fewest among any Power 5 schools. Yes. Yes. 88th in the country, 12th in the Pac-12. And, is, and this is crazy to say because they just got beat by the Lumberjokes. But U of A is doing a better job in recruiting. <laughs> like, I could see a scenario where U of A passes them in a couple of years if this thing goes south for ASU. Now, hopefully for ASU, and I'm still hopeful that the investigation proves, you know, no, no real wrongdoing and that they're cleared and everything's okay. I'm hopeful of that. Of I course, don't know. Of course. I wouldn't bet a house payment on it, but I am hopeful of that for them. Uh, it is time for the Vizzy What's On tonight, brought to you by Vizzy Hard Seltzer, the only hard seltzer crafted with antioxidant vitamin C. Proud sponsor of your Arizona Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks are taking on the Atlanta Braves. And what tonight. does that mean? Oh, yeah, no, sorry. No, no. That's... Although, four weeks from today, we get to roll that shtick out again. <laughs> yeah. The sun season opens four weeks from today. Man, that's like a dog whistle for me. Gambo starts that, and I start <laughs> scrambling looking for the mic. <laughs> when we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, speaking of the Arizona Diamondbacks, it's a very real possibility that his team will set the new franchise record for losses in a season. What does that mean for Troy Lovello's future this season, beyond this season? That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. The home of Arizona Diamondbacks baseball is 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. We're checking in on the D-backs as they warm up for the game's first pitch. 
D-backs on deck. Brought to you by Sonic. This is how we Sonic. Stop by your nearest location today for the new Sonic Grilled Cheeseburger for a limited time, only at Sonic. And by Trajan Wealth. Get your retirement on deck with Trajan Wealth, your local trusted financial fiduciary. TrajanWealth.com. We do have D-backs baseball coming up. Game three of this series against the Atlanta Braves. Diamondbacks lost again last night. To Atlanta at home. Today's pitching matchup brought to you by the Berg Simpson Law Firm. When the game is on the line and you've been injured, nobody matches up to the Berg Simpson Law Firm. Visit bergsimpson.com. That's B U R G Simpson.com. Good lawyers changing lives for the Arizona Diamondbacks tonight as they take on Atlanta. I'm scrolling down to see Merrill Kelly. I, I believe it's and Merrill Kelly. Ian Anderson is your pitching matchup tonight. Merrill Kelly seven and ten with an ERA of four point four one. Ian Anderson seven and five with an ERA of three point seven five. That's your pitching matchup. Thank you for having my back on that one. Yeah, for Merrill Kelly, uh, he has made one start since coming off the COVID list. That was his last time out against the Dodgers. Four and two thirds. Gave up 10 hits and four earned runs. Before that, he hadn't pitched since August 11th. So obviously not a lot of innings as of late for Merrill Kelly in this one as the Diamondbacks four-game series against Atlanta, and they've dropped the first two so far. Yeah, Atlanta's Atlanta's trying to hold on, right? Win that division. They're 79-70 overall. They're in first place in the NL East. I mean, the Diamondbacks are trying to... You know, play spoiler, try to you know, try to hurt some of these teams. You know, the Gi- they got to play the Dodgers, they got to play the Giants, they're playing the Braves, and the only team that they're going to play left that is out of it is Colorado. So, you know, a chance to play spoiler a little bit, uh, but mainly for Arizona, I think they're trying to do everything they can to not end up with the worst record in the history of the Diamondbacks. And to do that, they're going to have to win four of their remaining 11 games. They're going to have to go four and seven and their remaining 11 games to be able to do that. Anything less than that in terms of the wins, and they will either tie or set the record for most franchise losses in a single season. It's 111 set back in 2004. As you would imagine, there are a lot of questions about the future of the Arizona Diamondbacks, and uh, we've been talking to Tori Lovello every single Tuesday at 2.30 on and off over the course of the season. He doesn't have a contract. This is the, the end of his contract and the decision about whether to bring him back. And and Mike Hazen did do a conference call, the GM of the D-backs, he did a conference call with reporters yesterday in which he, he talked about Tory Lovello. And he said, look, Tory does a good job managing a game, but our win total is where it's at. It's not a cut-and-dry situation when I decide what I'm going to do. About Tory Lovello. What they're going to do is that they are going to have an end of the year evaluation the first week in October. The entire organization. They'll they'll evaluate the GM, the coaches, the minor leagues, everything. They'll they'll tee it up for an all day long meeting. That will take place very early in October. And at some point there will be some decisions that are made and 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 some decisions that haven't been made and will take more time. But it'll happen within days of the season ending, there will be that meeting. My expectations are that Mike Hazen returns as the general manager as long as he wants to. I mean, Mike has had one of the most challenging years that, that a human being can have, trying to balance the duties of a husband, a parent, his jo- and, a, and his job while you know his wife is, is going through a real serious illness uh, with brain cancer. So uh, Mike is not going to lose his job. Mike is not going to be fired as the general manager of the Arizona Diamondbacks. His job is safe. If he wants to be the GM and continue, he can be the GM and continue. 
I lean towards Tori Lavello coming back, but I wouldn't go to the bank and make a gigantic bet on it. Okay, or to you know one of the sports books to make a big bet. So you don't make bets at the bank. Okay, yes, I'm not making any bets at the bank. <laughs> that's not how that works. Oh no, right now, maybe in a year or so, who knows what's going to happen. <laughs> That's but that's true. that's true. That's a good point. Yeah, that's that's what that's what I would say. I Mike Hazen will be back if he yeah. wants to be back. Tori Lavello, I would lean towards Tori coming back. I don't think that I don't think that the organizations is blaming Tori Lavello. There are things that they'd like to have different about Tori, but I don't think they're blaming him for everything that happened this year. It's a real tough situation with Mike, and and obviously it's it's we all feel for him. And and how difficult it must be to work through all of this when he's trying to take care of his family, trying to take care of his wife, when the health situation is what it is, when they've got four children. And, and it's it's just a lot to juggle and it's a lot mentally to kind of deal with on a day to day basis. And and so uh, I'm, I'm glad to hear that it, it doesn't sound like he's going to. It's going to be up to him, basically, and and what whatever he wants to do, but it's not going to be something that he's going to be held responsible for. And if it's his decision on Tory, or mostly his decision on Tory, you know, there's obviously a friendship there. Uh, Tory is the only manager Mike has ever had as the GM here. He specifically, but we all knew Tory was going to get the job when Mike got the job because we knew how close the two were. That doesn't guarantee, as you've said, that Tory is going to be back. Doesn't that, guarantee it. That, that friendship is not no. a, a promise of, oh, you're going to have no. this job as long as I have mine kind of thing. And and Mike kind of alluded to that in, in meeting with reporters yesterday, in which, again, he said, our win total is where it's at. It's not a cut-and-dry situation. But he wants to make a decision on Tory very soon after the season ends, if not before. And he did also say during that Q&A yesterday that, as much as we've talked about others, we should be talking about me. The job I've done should be scrutinized fairly heavily. Those were his words yesterday in meeting with reporters. It, it won't be um, because of the year Mike's had. I mean, I'm sure they'll discuss it. But again, he's not. Mike Hazen is not going to lose his job as the Arizona Diamondbacks general manager. It is not going to happen. You can mark that down. And the only way Mike's not the GM is if Mike decides that I, you know, uh, I, I can't do this right now. I just can't do this based on family issues. That would be the only way that he's not the general manager. And, uh, you know, based on my opinion and what I, what I may know, Tori, I, I think, you know, if, if they determine Tori's not the right guy, I, I'm not, I don't believe they're afraid to make that move, but I don't think they blame Tori. I think that there's team, there's things that they would want Tori to do. I think that there's a feeling that, you know, that he, he needs to be more accountable to, yeah. the, you know, he needs to be more accountable and needs to hold, hold the players more accountable. There were so many interesting things that Mike said about the state of the Diamondbacks in this article. And I'm, I'm reading from the athletic.com and Zach Buchanan's story, but he acknowledges maybe they've asked too much from some of their position players from a defensive versatility standpoint. A guy like Josh Rojas, who's played every single position out there under the sun. Yeah. A guy like Paven Smith. He's like, man. None of our scouts would have said Paven Smith was going to be our center fielder. And while he's done fine out there, that's not an ideal situation. Can tell Marte needs to just play second base. Yeah. He wants to win a gold glove. Like he does he wants to win a gold glove. Like it, you know, you can't keep pushing him around in different positions. So that's you know, that that's that's an issue. They got they need to start settling on some positions for these guys. And is the question, have you guys decided whether you'll try to compete or rebuild in two thousand twenty two? I want to read you the answer verbatim. I am going to punt on that question for 13 more days if you will allow me to. 
That is a question I am going to be prepared to answer. But then he goes on to say, I'm just not ready to answer that yet. I want to punt on that question. Rebuild. I'm going to punt on that. You got Madison Bumgarner. You got Zach Gallen. You got Merrill Kelly. It's a pretty good one, two, three. Yeah. So you you might have the chance to, to be competitive if those guys are healthy and they're good. That's a good one, two, three. And then you, you might get, go into these meetings and say, look, as bad as this year was, yeah. you know, we get the right mix of players, we might be competitive next uh, year. The standings, they're brought to you by PNC Bank, financial tools and tech to help make things easier. I can just tell you that as we look for the worst record in Major League Baseball, the Orioles and Diamondbacks remain tied. 48 wins, 103 losses. Let's get you a key to tonight's game. Listen, man, I need you to be the key master. I am the key master. D-backs keys to the game brought to you by Sell Two Sands. Take away the hassle of selling a vehicle yourself. Go to SellTwoSands.com today. Yeah, yesterday I said you got to you got to work around Duval. They they held him hitless yesterday. Snapped his career best sixteen game hitting streak. I'm going to go with Freddie Freeman today. He's been red hot in this series. He's five for nine in this series, so batting over five hundred. And he's got four runs scored. He's got a couple of RBIs. Freddie Freeman is the guy you want to pitch around a little bit if you're Arizona. It's going to do it for us. Diamondbacks baseball is next. We'll see you tomorrow straight up 2 o'clock here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Have a great night, everyone.